Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. Well, good morning. How are you this morning? Just good? Drives me crazy, and I'll tell you, it drives me crazy when I, when I, when I ask someone, you know, how did that go? How did that event go? Or how did that thing go? Good. That just tells me nothing. It tells me nothing, you know. That's why, remember, I've told you this before, don't forget, when you go up to someone, you know, you say, apakabar, or you say, how are you, and they say, good, you stop, you look them in the eye, and you say, no, how are you doing, and wait to see if you get the same answer. If you don't, then you could say, he won't fail, he won't fail. He won't fail. Oh, I love that song. I'm caught on that song now. Beautiful. Thank you for being here, and, 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 and I trust you've already uh, encountered him. Thank you, Ermi, for being open and willing to share. Hallelujah. God has a meal for you waiting for you. And I love it because he, not only that, if you know that story, God told, or Jesus told Paul, he said, you know, you're, Paul, I'm never going to deny you, you know. And, you know, Paul, I, I love Paul. I love his statements. I think, you know, say them, say them, even if it doesn't happen, say them anyways. Say, I'll never leave you, Lord. I'll never, I'll, I'll never fail you, Lord. You know, and he say, yeah, you will. And you just say, I won't. And when you do, he's there with the meal and he's still loving you, still caring for you. I love that. Thank you. Anyways, yeah, so we're, we're in the, the series about finding joy, and we're going to be doing this all year in different uh, things. I, I do want to say next week is a very special thing. It's something we haven't done in at least three years, somewhere in there, two or three years. Uh, we're having our special breakfast gathering. So we're going to have breakfast together uh, next Sunday. And we will do all the things that we're supposed to do that make it a service. Anyways, never mind, you know. Uh, but we will also eat together, and we'll have fun together, and we'll laugh together, and we'll do different things together, and yeah, it's, you know, and we'll experience joy. You know what? It would be better for you to experience joy than for me to tell you about it. Can I get an Amen. You know, so, so next week we're going to try to experience joy, and hopefully the food is decent so you experience a little joy with that too. You know, so anyways, let's just jump in. And last week I talked about joy, and, and I kind of gave you this definition, so I just want to kind of give it to you again. The definition of joy is joy is an eternal, internal, it's eternal, internal uh, assurance that God is in control. It's a confidence that something inside you as you're, as you're communing with God, you know everything's going to be okay. And I had a friend, uh, we went, when we went to Israel, there was this uh, young girl who, uh, you know, she struggled with God. Let's just be honest, she struggled with God, which I know she wanted God. And we went to the, 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 the Wailing Wall, the West Wall, and we were there, and she had a spiritual experience, a deep spiritual experience. She, she was uncontrollably caught up in God. You could see it, and, and she was weeping and laughing all at the same time, and she just was experienced God. And then we were talking about it later, and I said, see, now, I said, now you have found a place to go, not the West Wall, but you have found a place inside to go when you're having trouble. This is where joy is found. 
When you're, when you're, when everything is all messed up and you're, you know, the wind's blowing and the rains are there, you know, you can go inside and you can go inside that house and you can start communing with God and you can sense an assurance and a joy that he is there, that he is with you and that you will be with him forever and ever. If you are struggling with that, please come see me. Come see me because I will help you with that. I really want to help you with that because I, I have been through, we have been, my wife and I, we've been through stuff. I mean, trust me, we've been through stuff. I mean, we're good. Uh, and even we've been through stuff. But, but like, you know, we've been through difficult times where, man, if we couldn't find that, that place. I remember one day when, when I was in my room and, and this was when the offices were in my house. And I think, Victor, I think you were there. I think, Lauren, I think you were there. And I came out and I said, I need prayer. I need to pray. And we, we prayed for like 45 minutes. That's all I knew. And I was just, actually, to be honest with you, I was just praying in tongues. I, I couldn't do anything else. I had to find God. And, and they helped me find God. And I found that place of peace. There are times you need that. And, and this is what joy is all about. Now, I want to talk today about this this group of people who were in captivity, they were in captivity for 70 years. What that means is they were taken from their homes and they were brought into a foreign place and they were, they were, they were told that they, they, had to, they had to live a certain way. They were told they had to do certain things. They were told they couldn't do other things. And they were basically uh, in captivity. They were captors or they, were, they weren't slaves there, but they were you know, outside their comfort zone and they had to live a certain way and they had to do what the king told them to do. It wasn't their king, but... He was their king now, and, and all their houses and everything where they lived was destroyed, and, and, and everything was down, and it was all in ruins. 70 years. Some of us are struggling through two years, you know? They've been in 70 years. And then they come back, and when they come back, they come back to their, their, their place, and, and uh and the guy named Nehemiah and Ezra, they're, they're the kind of the spiritual leaders at that time. And it, it says in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, I want to read what they do. Very interesting uh, situation. It says, all the people, when they came back to the place, they, they all assembled and they were unified in purpose at the square just inside the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on the first day of the seventh month, uh, Ezra, the, uh, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women. So all the people gathered together and, and, and all who were able to understand. And it says, he read out loud from daybreak until noon. You guys can't even handle an hour. Uh, if I preach an hour, you think I'm long. This is long. This is a long time. This is like six hours of just reading of this, you know, reading. He was explaining. It says, they, where was it? So, so for the first day, uh, uh, I'll get there. They listened intently. Verse eight, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So, so preachers are necessary because that's what they do. Hopefully they try to, at least I'm trying to. Then Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and the, the teacher of the law and the Levites were instructing all the people, this is a holy day to the Lord. Do not mourn for all the people had been weeping while they listened to the words of the law. Now, you guys, if you've been in any, you know, if you've been around Christianity at all, 
you've heard this expression, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, that's, that's an expression that's used. And, and so when I, when I thought about doing, uh, you know, joy, I mean, obviously I thought of that verse. And so actually that verse is in this passage, and I'll read it in a minute. And so I said, well, let, let's go look at what, what the context of that meaning was. What is the context? When he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, well, that, this, it's, you know, you've got to learn what it, what it meant. Not just, hey, oh, that sounds really good. Because a lot of times, you know, we use those expressions a lot of times. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, yeah, thanks. That's really helping me. Sometimes it, it, the words don't help you sometimes. You have to understand the meaning. So it says that they read the book of the law all day. Now, I'm not going to do that right now. But I thought we would try it and see what happens. So I want to read from Deuteronomy. I want to read the, the law. And see what it does for you. I'm sure it's going to bring great joy to your heart. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image uh, formed by anything in heaven above or on earth below, uh, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord uh, will will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not uh, give fault witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Now I'm just going to add a verse out of James just to kind of give you an even better feeling. For a person who keeps all the law except for one is guilty as a person who has broken all the laws. So if you break one, you break them all. Are you feeling the joy? Aren't you just uplifted? Aren't you just like, whoo, boy, read that again, pastor, because I am just getting filled with joy. But actually, that is what Ezra and Nehemiah were doing. And you can see the reaction of the people. The reaction to the people, what are they hearing? When you hear, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. It's not somehow bringing joy to you. But somehow, Ezra and Nehemiah, when they read it, their conclusion is rejoice. I want to talk about how that's possible. Because when I first read it, I'm like, doesn't seem possible. The first thing I want to say to you, first thing I want to kind of get in your mind, oh, because then, because uh, he says in verse 9, let me just read that. In verse 9, he says, Then uh, Nehemiah, uh, the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the, and the teachers, the Levites, instructed all the people, saying, This is a holy day to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping. He's saying, Rejoice, celebrate. He says, Go eat good food, even. And then in verse 10, he says, go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared, send send stuff to them. This is the holy day of the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I ain't getting it, God. It's not making sense to me. Holiness. That's how we hear it a lot of time. The holiness of God. 
What does that make you do? When you hear about God is absolutely perfect and absolutely holy, a lot of times the first thing we do is step back. Can I get an amen? I tend to run from that. I tend to get scared of that. Now, I want you to notice something. Now, Ezra didn't say, the joy of the law is your strength. He didn't say the joy of the law is your strength. Some of you concentrate on the law. You, you focus on the law. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about focusing on the law. And that's what we do a lot of times in our life. We focus on the law. And as soon as we focus on the law, we build a standard in which we look at and go, not getting over that wall. Can't get over that wall. No way. Can't get over it. Impossible. Can't even touch that. I touch that law and I'm burned up. See, we build a standard. And we think that somehow, and actually many people make that mistake. They think the joy of the law, they think joy of following the law will be their strength. And that's not what this scripture is saying. So what is he talking about? He didn't say to concentrate on the standard. That's not what he said. But things in the in, in, in Bible does say things like without Holiness, no man can see God. Without holiness, you can't see God. So you need holiness. And that's what the law is. The law is just the perfect holiness of God. That's basically what's, what's being displayed. He's saying without holiness, you can't see God. Now remember what's happening here in the passage. The people are returning back to Jerusalem. I mean, they're, they're coming out of captivity and they're returning. And God is meeting them. And so I think God's excited that they're finally coming back. The temple is going to start being built. They, they started, the first thing they did was they built the altar and they began to give sacrifices to God, showing that God was the most important thing, that their relationship with God is the most important thing. And so God is excited. But somehow the people are weeping. Now I want to ask you a question. How would you feel if you walked into a room? Let's say you're a parent and your kids are there or you, know, you're, you walk in, all your friends are there and you walk in the room and the first thing that people do is they move away from you, they scatter and they start crying. You'd kind of be bummed out. You'd be like, wow, great greeting. Yeah, wonderful. I come into the room and the first thing that happens is, is people scatter to the corners and they start crying and they basically go, oh no, get away from me. That's what happens when we concentrate on just this idea of the law making it a standard. Because guess what? God had just come into that place. The books were open and God was meeting with his people. And guess what happens when God comes? Guess what happens when God comes? Guess what walks in the room when God walks in the room? Holiness walks in the room. You, you can't get away from that. God, it's not like God can like take out his holiness and go, I'm coming in. It is who he is. It is part of 
his personality. It is, it is part of his nature. It's, it's his being. His whole being is holiness. So when he comes in the room, his holiness comes in the room. So we're still like, well, yeah, okay, you're not really helping me here, pastor. I know this. He comes in the room. He's holy. I'm not. Now I'm going to try to help you a little bit. And then we're going to, I'm going to show you how. Without God's total holiness, his mercy would be incomplete. Without his perfect absolute holiness, his mercy that he wants to give you would be incomplete. It would fail. It would not purify. It would not sanctify. It would not, it would not be able to give you eternal life. If his holiness wasn't part of it, then guess what? His mercy would be incomplete. So you want his holiness. Oh, few good men. You want his holiness. You need his holiness. Never mind. If you haven't seen the movie, you won't get it. How many saw A Few Good Men? Great movie. What amazing movie. Oh, you're missing out. Anyways, it's old movie. It's old. What's a good movie? Anyways, sorry. I digress. You need his holiness. You want his holiness to come into the room. You want his holy presence among you. Because without his holiness, his mercy will not be complete on you. If he died on the cross without being completely holy, his mercy would not be able to forgive you. So, how do we experience the joy of the Lord in all his holiness? How? Well, it's found, I believe it's found in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51. I'm not going to be long today. I'm going to ask you guys, musicians, because we're going to worship the Lord a little bit in a minute. Psalm 51. King David, the story is that King David uh, meets up with the prophet, and the, the prophet uh, Nathan tells him, yeah, dude, you're, you're a murderer. You're an adulterer. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Yes, you've broken the law. You are a lawbreaker. And I believe that, that, that David was meditating on the word of God, on the word of God at that time was the law. And he's meditating on it. And I'm going to read the whole passage, but I'm going to stop at certain places and show you how you can have the joy of the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. We want it. Oh, oh, the more I've meditated on this, the more I want God's holiness. I want all of God's holiness. And I want to run to it, not run away from it. I need to run into it. And that's exactly what David does. Let's just read, and then I'll make some comments as we go. So David's in this place where he's committed adultery, he's committed murder, and he says, have mercy. See, we want mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Yes, cleanse me from my sin. That's what his prayer is. That's what he's asking. That's what he needs. That's what we need. Can I get an amen? We need our sins blotted out. We need our transgressions gone. We need his mercy. 
<laughs> he says, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are, you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. See, in verse 3, in verse 3 and verse 4, he puts himself up against the holiness of God. Oh, it's kind of weird when he says, against you, God, I have sinned. Only you I have. Well, he, he committed murder. He hurt people. But ultimately, when you hurt people, when you sin against people, he realized, guess what? It's actually against God. Why? Because God created man in his image. And when we sin against the image, we sin against him. When we do, this is why it grieves God so much when we hurt people because he made them in his image. And then he's saying, David is saying, when I did that, I sinned against you and the order in which you designed it to be, the holiness in which you wanted it to be. I sinned against you. And this is the first step for us to be able to run into his holiness. See, David, David, he did this for a while. He shied away. He didn't tell anybody that he murdered this guy. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't tell anybody that he committed adultery. That's why the prophet didn't know. It was only by the, 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 the spirit revealing it to Nathan that, he, that Nathan realized this guy has is, is, is committed adultery. He's committed sin. See, he was exposed. So just like us, when, when, when we sin and we don't acknowledge it, it's like God walking into the room and us running to the corners, staying away from him. But David finally faces the holiness of God. He says, yep, but God, against your holiness is what I've done. That's the first step we all got to take. God, I hurt a lot of people, but most of all, I sinned against you. I sinned against your order. And he says, surely I was sinful at my birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. What he's saying is, you know, he's saying, yeah, even at, the, at my birth, you said, listen, you need to be faithful. His holiness says, at birth, we are supposed to be perfect. But we're not. We're not like him. So he realizes this. He's, he's acknowledging it. First thing you need to do is acknowledge that you have stained the holiness of God. But then he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Now, I looked that word up because when I don't know a word, I kind of look it up. Hyssop. Hyssop was this thing that they used to dip and spread. They, you, you see it in places where like they spread... Um, Hyssop, they took, the, they took in, the, in Egypt when the spirit of death was going to come and kill the firstborn of everyone. God said what? Put the, the, the blood on the doorposts and when the spirit of death comes, if he sees the blood, he will, he will pass over you. It says that they took the hyssop and they put it in the blood and they spread it on the doorpost. They also did it when Jesus was on the cross. They, 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 they put the hyssop, they, they put it in the vinegar and they put it to his mouth. What's really interesting is the word hyssop, it was, a, it was a holy herb. It was a holy herb. 
They've actually even showed that chemically, this herb is something that helps you to overcome sinfulness. That's what they believed. So wash me with this holiness, God. Wash me with holiness, God, and I shall be clean. See, you need his holiness. That's what his mercy is. It's filled with his holiness. We need his holiness. Oh, we should jump for joy when we hear holiness. We should run with all speed into the holiness of God. Because that herb, that herb actually, it says not only did it, when it, when it was applied to the place of sin, did it cleanse and remove sin. They also believed that it actually repelled evil. That's why people would use it. They thought that if they took it, almost like a charm, I hate to say it that way, but they thought that. How much will the holiness of God in you repel evil? Woo! Good stuff. Really good stuff. And so the holiness, wash me with hyssop. Wash me with your holiness and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. What brings us all sorrow? What brings us pain? What brings us death? It's evil. That's what brings it. That's why we want his holiness, because when his holiness comes, <sighs> evil is gone. Evil is washed away, and we are cleansed. And then he says what? He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have crushed rejoice. The presence of God brings healing. The presence of God refreshes. He says what? Restore. He goes on. I should read it. I want to read it, right? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I know when I first came to Jesus, I was really knockout. I'm still as knockout as I was. I'm convinced if I really look deep, I'll see just as much darkness as I did years ago. But God's holiness, when it comes, I felt all the release of guilt, all the release of sin, and I felt free. He purified my heart. How does he purify his, my heart? By this holy mercy that comes into our heart and cleanses us. Do you want to be cleansed today? Do you want the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is when he comes inside you in all his holiness and he washes you clean. Whoo! That's joy. That's joy that makes us dance. That's joy that makes us sing. That's joy that, that makes us feel like, wow, we have life again. This is what David was praying. This is what David was doing. And finally he says, do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. No, just the opposite is what he does when he comes. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Oh, don't you, 
I know that's what brings joy. That's what the joy of the Lord is. The joy of the Lord is that his presence is within us, that we acknowledge that we could never do it on our own, that, Lord God, we need, wash us with hyssop, O oh God, and I will be clean, and I'll be whiter than snow. I want to just take a few moments and, and just let the musicians play a little bit, and I want you to just take a moment and let God wash you today. I want everyone to leave here today feeling clean and holy, wearing white robes, no impurities. So if you need to kind of walk through your life and <coughs> walk through your attitudes, and if you see where, 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 Maybe you've been running from his holiness, running away rather than running towards him. Let the Holy Spirit just come. Let the Lord come and cleanse you from within. during worship I um, I had a vision and I want to share it because it will help some of you the word the, the word I had was that God is saying you are my bride you are my bride and I am preparing you to meet me and you are my bride and then I had the vision of and it's I've been really hesitating it's it's not a nice vision I saw the fingernail of a beautiful woman and there was dirt under the fingernails. And God in his love, he took, he took the hand and he took some special pedicure tools and he scrapped it out. And I felt in my spirit that there are several here, even in this congregation where you, you have been carrying dirt under your fingernails. Yes, you washed your face. Yes, you know, but there are those hidden pockets where you're struggling with. And I feel that there is a, a period of grace where God allows you to hand him, to give him your fingers. And I want to invite you to do this right now. I want to invite you. Those pockets that nobody knows about, not even your husband, not even your wife, not your kids. If you want, just give him your hand and say, God, Yes, there's this dirt in my life. Yes, there's this hidden under my fingernails. And God, I want to be beautiful to meet you. Joy comes after repentance. And God, I'm giving you those hidden pockets. And I, I give you approval, the authority to clean. And I need help. I need your special tools. Holy Spirit, come into the room. Come and bring to light. This is a moment of repentance where God is putting his finger on some of you. And it's an invitation because you cannot produce joy if you don't repent. And there are hidden things here. Give him your hands. 
my spirit, I, I feel people being drawn into greed and greed had, a, had, had like captured your spirit. There are people struggling with their eyes with adultery. Give him your hidden pockets. He has special tools to clean you. Holy Spirit, come and you already start talking to people. And God, we don't want to keep our pockets. We want to abide, run into your holiness. God, there's nothing we hold back. It's a period of grace where God allows you to hand him your fingernails to clean you. But he's serious about his bride. He's serious about it. Don't postpone. Don't postpone. Uh, just to confirm that, that word, the next verse that I was going to read says, For he clothed you with garments of salvation, and he arrayed you in the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels he wants you to be beautiful he wants to cleanse you completely and totally nothing to be afraid of nothing Lord we receive your forgiveness we receive your holiness Lord God we thank you for it oh God we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace, Lord God. And Father, hallelujah, we do. We, we take off the rags. We, we let you clean our fingernails. We let you clean the hidden places, oh God. But Lord, I pray that you would not leave those places empty. But rather, Lord God, you would fill them with your mercy and your grace and your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.